This is a special edition of the Edgar Golfers First podcast. It is special because it's 21 years since Edgar first came into being at a meeting that took place in Wiesbaden on the 4th of March in the year 2000. That meeting was the culmination of several years of groundwork done by the forefathers of the association. It was they who had the vision to try and organise a group of golfers who had three things in common. The first, they were all golfers. The second, they had an impairment that affected how they played the game. And finally, they wanted to be able to compete together on a level playing field. As with every new birth, there were many difficulties to overcome. People from different backgrounds and cultures, issues of organisation and responsibility, funding, access and alignment. Such matters occupied much of the early years. There would inevitably be the occasional tumble and graze knee, just like any toddler would experience when growing up. Friendships formed and progress made would be tempered by mistakes of the head rather than mistakes of the heart. Only those who sit and do nothing make no mistakes. Perhaps that is the biggest mistake of all. A community emerged. Today, this is called a tribe. People with shared interests come together, and yet even in such tribes, there can be conflict. Some want to take the association in one direction, while others may have a different opinion. These diverse views are healthy and challenge those responsible for guiding the association into the new waters to be better and to try, however hard that might be, to find a way to an inclusive world where all people with a disability have the opportunity to play golf. For the majority, golf will be a pastime, a way to enjoy the company of others, to spend time in nature and enjoy the health-enhancing benefits of physical activity. For a few, the game will be a competitive outlet, a place to challenge themselves and others to be better, to find their place in the pecking order. Regardless of what the game means to each and every player, golf will be a game that engages the body and the mind, providing opportunities for all to express themselves as being uniquely human. In this episode, you will hear from a few of those who were around Edgar in the early years. There are tales of what it was like back then, of the community that was built, friendships made, a few stories that reveal the fun had by all. If you would like to add to the 21 in 21 story of Edgar, then please let us know at podcasts at edgargolf.com. Also in this episode, you'll hear a short teaser of the Tough Love and Second Chances podcast, which this week features Manuel de los Santos from the Dominican Republic. I've had the chance and privilege to get to know Manuel and his wife Elena over the last 10 years or so. In this interview, we reached into the areas that Manuel has never discussed before in public. I thank both Manuel and Elena for trusting me with the details of an early life that brings context to the man who has earned the respect and love of many in the world of golf. Just because we've reached 21, it does not mean that we've stopped learning. It's a brave man or woman that can say they've never made a mistake after reaching adulthood. And it is oftentimes from those mistakes that we learn. Hopefully, we'll continue to make mistakes, as that will mean that we're still learning and moving forward. We will remain true to the values of Edgar, that the experience should be one of community, fun, and that the development of the game for golfers with disability 
will be at that very cornerstone. There is no map from which we can follow. EGRA is trying to help create an inclusive game that is enjoyed by all, regardless of ability, ethnicity, gender or age. A game in which everyone can thrive and a game which considers the golfer first. Please enjoy this special episode of the Edgar Golfers First podcast. Jeff Nicholas from Australia is the proud possessor of the first Edgar Pass. And so I asked Jeff how he's seen golf for the disabled grow. From those first steps way, way back, it's, it's come a hell of a long way, which is... And that's all um, thanks to the Edge Association that's created all this, and um, and it's given an awareness too. Like there's a lot more people with disabilities interested because you know they think well, there's an opportunity for them to travel and play. So because my first events I played back in the uh, the British Amputee Open uh, in 1990 in uh, Bryn, Bryn Meadows in Wales way back then. And, uh, and that, that, is, that went on for about 12 years, that, 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 that event. And, um, and back then, yeah, there was quite a, there might have been 30 players and mostly Europeans. I think I was the only Australian. But, um, yeah, it sort of kicked on from there. Yeah, it's quite amazing because when we played the, I think it was the, Scottish Open, not Shane, I from Australia, and there was um, right from um, South Africa, you know, and so you know, a couple of guys from America. So it was, you know, it's it's really gone a world. It's gone around the world, you know, people, and uh, it's exposing what golfers can do, you know, and the, probably the aim for this association is to get people back on their feet and. And what a what better way than play golf? You know, it's a it's a sport where everyone can play. So, Englishman Mark Smith was playing in events even before the start of Edgar. I asked him about his early recollections. I remember driving, you know, drove to the event in Germany. That took you know almost a day to drive. I think the Swedes drove down by coach. I think they they drove for twenty four hours to get to a tournament. They just threw all of their team in the coach and just drove for 24 hours. These early, I think that's probably what makes these early events probably stick in people's memories so much because, yeah. you know, they were just probably so hard to get to. And so, I don't know, everybody really bonded over those events. I think you'll probably see, you know, with the people that have got these long friendships, they come out of these sort of early, late 90s events. Mark mentioned the Swedish team. Former Swedish coach Gunnar Muller recalls how it was difficult to get everyone to work together, even though they'd already set up a tour in Sweden in the early 90s. Well, we, we, we uh, started a tour in Sweden, so, that, so they had an order of merit, and uh, we were fighting day and night uh, about how, how, how should we have these, uh, should we play gross or should we play with handicap and uh, if you got one leg is that tougher than uh, just to have one arm you know all all this discussion uh, went on and it went on for those four years I, I was in um, I was coach for the team 
and uh, that that was that was about you know some of them they were handicapped three and didn't practice and uh, another guy was uh, handicapped 35 and he he practiced every day just to be able to to hit a ball 50 yards and and um, I thought that that was a bigger achievement than uh, than those who just uh, you know just just had it by nature um so it was a I, I was, as I know now nowadays it's uh, they have they have us sorted out somehow but I, but we were really struggling with it I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't really. I couldn't really bother if somebody said I have to be in the team because I'm I'm playing so much better than the others. But he wasn't trying as hard as many of the others. So he. But he got into the team, and the others who deserved it, they didn't get into the team. And in the end, I I, I thought this is a losing battle, so I, I couldn't be bothered anymore. Difficulties to include everyone remain as fear and maintaining the status quo persist. Staying true to the Edgar philosophy of golfers first is important. Charles Gandia from France has his views on how this should be communicated. I, I think we needed to uh, maybe to reconsider our communication regarding the handy golf. Because uh, for me, no need to uh, to 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 explain or to talk on the handy golf is a golf. It's golf. It's golf for the for the children. It's golf for the senior. It's golf. No, we don't uh, write or we don't say uh, ah, is a senior golf or uh, uh, child golf. No, we say golf. So I I think we need to reconsider our communication regarding this uh, this category. Duncan Hamilton Martin from England has seen the way that golf for the disabled has grown from amputee golf into a much more inclusive format. Uh, the, the big difference is the, is the current is the genius of Edgar to make uh, disabled golf inclusive. The fact that everyone can play and the format now of uh, gross for the lower handicaps, medal, up to 20 or where it is and stable foot above is is inclusive and that is the really the the genius of the whole setup um originally uh, and the the, uh, the the guys that set up things at the start it was an amputee only because there you can tell clearly if somebody is an amputee or not and i've got some fantastic stories you know we're playing with jack or richard coates who lost um, basically both his arms halfway between his elbow and his fingers um, my first one well, of my first tournaments was down in Wales and uh, par 72 uh, and I knocked around 76 first time round pretty pleased and I came in afterwards and I said how do you do Richard he said uh, I was um, 76 because he's Bristolian and I thought he was I knew he was about 10 or 11 handicap I said so what gross was that he said, um, he said, that would be 76. <laughs> I laughing and I looked at him. I said, Coates, I hate you with a loathing that's hard to appreciate. And he said, I missed a few putts out there as well. I said, now you're really getting on my wick. 
Um, unbelievable. He, he, he made his own artificial arms. Uh, he had two hooks. And I was playing with him in another tournament, which was the Douglas Barder Pike down at Bognor Regis. And we were playing, the, I think, the fourth hole. And he had all these wires connected to his shoulders. So he, he hit a drive and one of the wires broke. And he said, I can't play, Duncan. He said, I've, I've got to go off. I said, OK. I said, I'll join you later. So he goes off, goes into a bike repair shop and orders a, bright, a, front, a front brake assembly, which he assembles with his other arm back into his artificial arm. And he joins me five holes later on the course and continues playing. And I just wonder what the, the guy that ran the shop said, uh, what sort of brake assembly would you like, sir? What is it for? And as he takes off his shirt and shows him, the guy, he must have gone home that night and said, you'll never believe what happened to me in the shop this morning. That can-do attitude is certainly something that stands out at all Edgar events, along with the camaraderie and the sense of achievement many feel. Christian Nachtway from Germany explains what becoming a European champion meant to him. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm, I'm a very old member in the Edgar. <laughs> so uh, I've started uh, in 2000, 2001. And uh, my first experience as I wrote you uh, was, or the first and great experience was the European Championship in Germany, uh, where I have a battle with Terry Kirby and Brian Olden. Brian Olden was uh, also a guy in a wheelchair from South Africa. And uh, at the second day, I played very well. and. At this time, we played, uh, everyone played net. And uh, at the second day, I have uh, 36 points, net points. And Terry uh, have 34, 33. So I, I win. And uh, it was unbelievable. You, you, you must imagine uh, three years before, or four years before, I have my accident. And you think the world, the world is over, the life is over, and uh, you hear the, you hear the your your national anthem, and you are European champion. Another story from Germany, albeit a few years earlier in 1998, reveals that although the golf was important, so was the fun and social element of people coming together to enjoy one another's company. Um. We were, we were in Germany, I think, at the time. So this was Maria Bildhausen, the golf course in Germany. And it was, it was a funny event. Not funny event, as in it was just something we'd never experienced before. It was a bit like, it's probably a bit like the experience of the first um, EGA team event. You know, something the players had never really been involved in before, you know, all of the yeah. pomp and circumstance you know, and the organisation involved. Um, so they, you know, we had we had a big congregation on the Friday evening where they had the local archbishop. He blessed the course for golfers with disability. You know, um, we had it was part of a mental asylum, so there was lots of there was always nuns, you know, floating around at the time. It was it was just quite surreal, really. And it was boiling hot as well. It was boiling hot. 
lots of nuns and I think we we ended up drinking beer out of my prosthetic leg for some reason at the end of the tournament. So someone someone stole my leg. I think it might be even be Peter. He stole my leg and then lined it with bags because I was actually going to go and get a new one the following day when I, or the following week from the hospital anyway. So it wasn't going to be used anymore. And uh, yeah, I, I had all the players sign it. And I think, we, yeah, we filled it up with beer and everyone had a, it was sort of like, a, I wouldn't call it a Scottish quake, but, you know, it was definitely a friendship thing, you know. So who, who was there has not forgotten it, put it that way. Not taking yourself too seriously is all part of the game and life. Duncan recounts one such story. I'm playing at, I played many years, um, and I hear a, a big, a big um, a pat on the back for Richard Saunders because he started Ballasa uh, and the Federation Games at Swindon, which is David Howell's original course. Um, and uh, it's a public course and uh, absolutely brilliant. The chap we were working with at the club, the, uh, the course got better and better and better every year. And it's, a, it's an interesting course, not very long, but um, I loved it because it was it was golf chess. You just had to put your ball in the right position, and virtually every hole you could take double, triple bogey on without really doing much wrong. It was it's a very very well designed course, and uh, the 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 fifth hole is right next to the sixth hole, which is a little par three over uh, over a river, and uh, the Swedish golfer who's had thalidomide. Bjorn, I think his first name was, he pulled his tee shot at the par three and it raced across the fifth green and it slammed into the back of a bunker where there was a player playing a shot. And he was obviously, the guy was very, very shocked. He was very, very worried about this. So Bjorn goes over there and he starts to walk over the green. He says, I'm very, very sorry. I, was shouted, I shouted four. And the guy in the bunker looks up at him and said, I'm deaf. And Bjorn goes, what should I have done then? And he goes, hold up four fingers. And Bjorn goes, slight problem. And the next thing, up in the bunker is actually on his back with his legs in the air, crying with laughter. Every player has their own memories of those early days. And as the years have gone on, the association has grown. And by 2010, there was already an understanding that Edgar had to develop even further. At this time in uh, 2011, the, the, the meetings uh, was just for to, uh, to, to, to discuss uh, uh, on some little competitions because uh, at this time, it was difficult to uh, to organize because of the money, because uh, the credibility, because of some things. No, but uh, we 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 start uh, with uh, Peter. <clears throat> it was uh, difficult uh, after to grow uh, quickly. For to grow, you need you need uh, first credibilities. Second, you need the money, and uh, for many, uh, for in in many federations, the golf for disabilities people is 
is the the the, the, the second or, or the third rank. Jeff sees the benefits of combining efforts and having an umbrella organisation. Today, more and more national federations are taking their responsibility seriously. Some disabled organisations are now working with their national federations to maximise the opportunities for people with disabilities. And everyone, I think there was, they had their own association and some other disabled group they have their own association, but... It's all been formed as one now, which I think it's great, you know, a mixture of everyone. And uh, I think and that's, that helps the uh, main body too to, to, you know, covering different events and someone else is running. So you've got one, you're under one umbrella, which I think that's the big thing, you know, that's, uh, that helps the sport and helps what Edge is trying to achieve, you know. Duncan Hamilton Martin summarises what it means to the players and the inclusive nature of a game which can be played by everyone. I think the, the main thing about those early tournaments was the camaraderie. You know, there was uh, everybody, and I think this is golf generally, uh, you know, they, you try your heart out on the course. And as soon as the last putt goes in and your card goes in, then it's time to, um, you know, mix with everybody. And... Uh, the, the 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 feeling that you get at those uh, after events, you know, is just just fabulous, you know. And it's uh, every tournament I've been to, uh, you make new friendships, and um, there's a lot of. Uh, I think also because a lot of people who have disabilities, you know, they've overcome a lot, and I, I I've been incredibly lucky. Um, the the are more very very positive people um you know you, they have a, a, an attitude to life which is let's go forward um uh, maybe not the time they had their accident or diagnosis or whatever but golf the, the family of disabled golfers if you can call it that is very welcoming um and um it's great it's absolutely great but it's the it's the key is the um, is the get bringing everybody together the ins inclusivity of it is just uh, the genius of it because everybody can play together um, and I think uh, I think uh, there's some countries that, that really uh, only had amputee golf so when you know in England we have a, a, a tournament where everybody with a disability can play is that's the way forward that's fabulous Are you ready for a sneak preview of the upcoming Tough Love and Second Chances podcast? Episode 79 features Manuel de los Santos from the Dominican Republic. And in this clip, he explains how he developed his incredible work ethic. I'm happy because for me, the life I understand, see, I need ammonia, I have to do this, I have to work. It's no problem for me. But, uh, and I think all this power I have is it's poor gift to me. I need a ball, baseball ball. I had to go working for my money because I don't have a mother, no father can buy for me. And I have, and I'm happy for that because the reason today my mind is very strong, positive, strong. Look out for Manuel's full story, which will be available from Wednesday, the 10th of March, on www.edgargolf.com and can be found in the player profile section. 
Manuel's story will also feature on the Tough Love and Second Chances podcast, which is available on most leading podcast platforms. So all that remains for me to say is I hope that you enjoyed this special 21st birthday episode of the Golfer's First Edgar podcast. In the early years, some would have doubted that Edgar would have reached such a milestone. Indeed, it would not, had it not been for the commitment, perseverance and determination of the early pioneers and those who followed. Those efforts have allowed the current team who serve golfers with disability to build upon this legacy. I, on behalf of Edgar, its members and the players, thank you all for the journey that you've been involved with, for all that you have done and all you are still doing.